Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome into the Four Feathers podcast. It's been a while. I'm Johnny Nani, Ron Luce, Tony on tap joining me today. Boys, like I said, it's been a while, but we've had a few weeks to recollect, uh, reflect on this season, and now we're ready to give the eulogy for the 2021-22 Chicago Blackhawks. A eulogy it is, Johnny, and uh, it's good to be back on the mic with you and Tony. I'm going to quickly crack one here as we get ready to talk some Hawks. It's just good to be back with you boys on a mic. It's been too long. I echo both of your statements. It's been way too long, guys. Uh, You've heard Johnny and I over on Socks on Tap earlier today. If you're if you're a Socks on Tap listener, you probably heard Ron last night. If you're a Cubs on Tap listener, guys, it's it's baseball on Tap Sports Center. It was always a great day to talk Blackhawk hockey with you guys. And uh, what a year it was. So a lot of ups and downs, kind of a roller coaster ride at some times. But uh, we're here to talk about it, sort it all out. Yeah, absolutely, cheers, guys. guys. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, first of all, because we're going to need it to the lost to the Blackhawks uh, this year. You know, it's it's this is always a tough episode to do because it's it means it's done. It's done until October, until we have meaningful hockey. And guys, I think that's the thing that makes me sad, especially don't be wrong. I love the playoffs and it's fun to watch. And honestly, it's way less stressful when you're not involved. But I think our contributor who's not on the night, Patrick Comiskey, said it best. The playoffs aren't the same without the Blackhawks. Absolutely agree. It really just doesn't have the same flair. I've admittedly probably not kept up the way I normally would, even just with the rest of the league, right? Like when the Hawks are in it, I feel like I'm so much more invested in the playoffs when it's ongoing. But it is it is a sad year every year that the Blackhawks are not in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I absolutely agree with our our, our good friend, Mr. Patrick Kaminsky. I'll also echo those statements, uh, you know, once again. I mean, it's, it's really hard to – you know, Johnny, you say never get up for the letdown. I think that's one of your, your common phrases here. It's 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 like the letdown has already happened, so it, it's really hard to get up at this point in time because I'm feeling down. I'm feeling sad about the Hawks. Not high on the Hawks today. Yeah, you know what the sad part is as we're breaking into, you know, reflecting on what the season was. Think about entering the season. Ron, you and I, when this training camp was going on uh, back in like September, you and I got on the mic and we had said, okay, looking at these pieces and sure, we didn't like the Seth Jones contract, but with what was brought in, with what was in place, Stan, I'm not saying the team itself was absolutely, but Stan told us this was a team that could contend for playoffs. And then you saw the wheels fall off immediately out of the gate. Yeah, literally right out the gate. I mean, what was their start? One, nine, and two uh, in the first, quick math, 12 games of the season. I mean, it was not a good look out the gate. I mean, they essentially took themselves out of playoff contention just with that start. You know, once King took over, the team started to play better, and they started to give you some slimmer of hope of like, wow, okay, this is probably how this team should have been able to play out the gate. Uh, And then even as the season roared on, injuries, things like that, guys just not playing to their potentials. Uh, and, you know, those wheels further fell off as the season rolled on, Johnny. Yeah, they they really did. It's, you're bringing back memories of Jeremy Carlton right now, guys, that I, I would rather forget. Ooh. So well, we're going to talk through it. We, we're going we're gonna to talk through it, but uh, here we go. I might need to start drinking a little quicker uh, yeah, to, it, it, to get you, to you, this part because it's yeah, painful. You do that because this is this is early, actually. I mean, you know, we have uh, off ice stuff to discuss, too, because I think, you know, obviously on ice, it's the worst season in recent memory. But off ice, this was the worst season ever for the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really was. I mean, between everything that happened with, uh, you know, the investigation and Kyle Beach and everything there, um, you know, Pat Foley retiring. I think that alone is a, a dagger in the hearts of a lot of Blackhawks fans. Yeah, it just it, it really felt like this year kind of wrapped up and officially kind of put a metaphorical bow on that run. Right. That decade of excellence for the Chicago Blackhawks, like everything finally came to to its end. Right. There was no more nostalgia. Nostalgia quickly wore off after all the ice off ice stuff. And then all of a sudden it was, okay, now this is this team moving forward, but what does that future like? Are we ever going to see this team be, you know, I would imagine they'll eventually be playoff contenders again, but you know, we were spoiled with three cups in six years. I don't know if we're ever going to see that again in our lifetime. It's a long way to the top run. That it is that it is. Yeah. I, like I said, as we're getting into this, it, you, Tony, hope you're ready because we got to talk about it. Jeremy Collin obviously was not getting the job done. These guys did not look early on like they even wanted to be out there. Uh, and then also him trying to fit square pegs into round holes with his system. 
system I'm using finger quotes for our just audio listeners here um his system which obviously never panned out and he was way too strong-headed to ever vary from that and let his guys play so guess what he gets canned shortly after uh that terrible start that you'd mentioned ron that run uh and then Derek king comes in and at first it was a little bit of a breath of fresh air tony i'll let you take it from there because we were about some king shit uh in his early days here we were and you know that was the the highlight of my season outside of uh, going to Marion host a day uh, with you, Johnny. Uh, the highlight of my season for the Blackhawks this year, and the, this is early, it was the King shit that you saw right out of the gate with Derek King. He kind of changed the play style, let the boys play a little looser. You, you air quote the system all you want to here, Johnny, but the, the, the system never worked from the start. The, the Jeremy Colleton era of Blackhawk hockey was just, I don't know, guys, it, it felt atrocious. It felt terrible at times. I know, Ron, at one point you were a big JC guy. And watching your transition, Ron, from big JC guy to uh, a, a almost, I wouldn't say you were a hater, but you were frustrated with Jeremy Carlton just as much as, as I think Johnny and I were to a certain extent, and uh, our guy Pat Comiskey definitely did not like Jeremy Carlton from the outset. Though that was that was immediate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was immediate. He wasn't he wasn't Coach Q at that point in time for anybody, and it was just an uncomfortable feeling. I think one of the most interesting shows that uh, I've done in my podcast career was the 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 day that Q was let go and what the feelings were. And here's this Jeremy Carlton guy and. You know, Ron, you kind of talked about him and, and kind of tried to sell him to me. And I, I wasn't really buying it either. I thought I'd give him his fair shot. But the fact that there was, you were right, Ron, there were so many errors that came to a close this season. And the Jeremy Carlton one is, is definitely for the better for this organization, in, in my opinion. But seeing the boys just go out there on the ice and play a free style of hockey, have a little bit of fun. They had that change up. You could tell guys like uh, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves probably didn't want to say publicly how they felt about the coaching system and, and what was trying to be done during that time. Because let's be real, there was not really much success that came out of the Jeremy Colleton era to, to really write home about. And so for that just brief week to two weeks where we had King shit going on. It was fun. It felt light. You thought to yourself, Hey, maybe this team could go on a little bit of a run. Uh, obviously it sputtered out and we're in a totally different position than we were back right when Derek King took over. But I thought he did it for all intents and purposes, a good job from the onset early on uh, to just get the boys playing hockey instead of this stodgy, whatever Jeremy Colleton was drawing up on his whiteboards or having other players draw up on his whiteboards for him. So, you know, it's, it, we're in a better place there. I think coaching yeah. wise, regardless of which direction they go there, uh, Jeremy Colleton's no longer Great. here. So that's a positive for me. Yes, absolutely. Tony, I concur with that. And I think it's important for us here. I want us to interject and I want is if you guys have a moment here, interject with your, some of your favorite moments as we kind of go along chronologically here, because when you're talking about that, the King shit, Tony, you had mentioned that the stretch, but a specific moment for me, I was at a Sunday night game. They played Nashville. It was the only time they beat Nashville all year. And it was an overtime game winner, King's first win as head coach. And I'll just remember that the, the crowd was like, you could, hear, you could feel a sigh of relief like over it is like, oh, my God, like we will actually win a hockey game again. Um, and I was in the building for it. So uh, that, that was definitely one of my favorite moments of the year uh, when you're talking about the kind of beginning. Uh, of that king shit era but guys this thing tampered off quickly um because obviously they got back to losing ways they did a lot of that this year unfortunately and one uh takeaway that i had like from the stretch when i'm noticing um lack of effective forward depth became extremely evident i know there's plenty of other issues to nitpick uh, in terms of defense coverage in front of the net but man that was it for me no nothing from henrik borgstrom fucking dog shit year from dominic kubalik uh it was rough to watch that kind of stuff unfold and seeing the weight that alex to and patrick kane had solely on their shoulders yeah and, and johnny it feels like we've kind of seen that now for a few seasons but i think this was the first year that it really finally just got to a point where everybody just threw their hands up and was like what is going on because it wasn't necessarily yes they had guys they were kind of betting on i think a henrik borgstrom is a good example of that but dominic kubelik scored 30 goals in the season kirby doc has shown a lot of promise 
I think what was more frustrating about this year than other years was that lack of forward depth from guys you expected more from. I think that's where the real frustrations lie. Be because, this year. Yes, exactly. Right. Like these guys that have had historically okay seasons in the last two, three years, they weren't, they didn't come to play. And like you said, then it solely fell on the shoulders of, of two players. It was Alex to and Patrick Kane Knights, the Hawks won. Those guys usually put up, three, four points. The guy, the Knights, those guys, you know, they're the team lost. You know, sure, they're probably still getting on the score sheet, but it just was not a complete effort from the team. Welcome so I to Chicago you. sports there, Ron. You just depicted that perfectly. Yes, you know, it, it, it feels that way sometimes, but I completely agree with you. I think that was, to me, what was very frustrating because it's not like they totally trotted out an AHL forward lineup either. It was just a matter of guys just not performing to their potential, and I think that was the most frustrating part because a lot of these guys are in contract years, and I know we'll, we'll probably allude to that at some point here, but Kirby Doc's in RFA, Dominic Kubalik's in RFA, two guys that I think all Hawks fans can confidently say we expected at least 40, maybe 45 points out of, and neither one of them showed up this season. Tony thoughts. I mean, I'm just trying you're, to think Kirby, about you're a big this. Uh, Kirby doc criticizer. I'm a big Kirby doc Go. criticizer. So uh, yeah, I want to get to Dominic Kubelik first though, Johnny. And, and the, the amount of times I got to say, just fucking crank it and use that, oh. that meme that, online you know just maybe like three times legitimately not enough not enough i I expected a lot more of that you know and maybe that's just uh, a a guy that has an off year i don't know how much some of the outside factors the off ice stuff really affected the the team getting going and and starting to go here but i thought he was going to come out of the gate and like you said like just put up goals like that's what he was here to do didn't happen kirby doc here we go. I watched too many highlights of Kirby Doc this year make amazing plays through the middle of the ice, stick handling, the hands are there, gets near the goal, right into the pads, or just some unlucky shit off the post. I'm, I'm looking for Kirby Doc to finish because if he can finish, he's going to start to be the player that everybody thinks that he can be in the NHL. Ron, you were saying it right before we got on here. Maybe he was up too early. The Kirby Doc years are flying by us as we know it. And if he's going to be effective, I think next year is is the year he has to put it together. Otherwise, I don't know. He he might be a candidate that I'm looking to move at this point just for a change of scenery, somewhere to go to just figure out how to finish. But I was big on the Kirby Doc train when when he first – was drafted by the team extremely down right now. I don't know how you guys feel. I still think that there's some promise there, but at the same point in time, I'm sick of just like, here is this potential sports center top 10 type goal that should be, that isn't every single time. And it's, it's cool to watch him, you know, break ankles out there on the ice. That's all fine and dandy. But if there's not a goal attached to it at the end, it all goes for not. And unless you're tuned into this team every single night and and realize the abilities that he has, at the end of the day, you look at the score. You look at the score sheets. You look at his stat lines. Are they impressive? I'll ask you guys that question. No. Are you impressed no. with it? No, no absolutely I'm not, not either. No. So and there I, you go. I mean, here's a comp for you, uh, Nylander. I mean, like, yeah, there's levels of you know obviously different positions there i think that are uh at play but also with uh kirby doc i think the the lack of finish like you had said tony although like it should have been a highlight real goal and just wasn't uh but even though he made an outstanding move to uh move around three defenders to get into that position um and he just couldn't finish but i wonder how much of that is caused by his wrist issues right because he had it in the shortened season last year that caused him to miss most of that. He came back at the end. So he didn't have a full season of development there. Uh, And then he got injured again uh, at a point this year too. So um, I do think that may have something to do with with that finishing ability. So hopefully this off season is one in which he can rest up uh, and, you know, pull it together moving forward. But I will say a silver lining. I hate silver linings, but we're in a rebuild here. So we got to fucking look for him. Um, One thing I will say about Kirby doc is him not having gaudy point totals, not really, um, you know, wowing you so to say less money 
right? That's less money that you have to pay to him. And I know we're in a rebuild, so there is some flexibility here. But if you legitimately want to get back to where you were, so I talked about the lack of effective forward depth, you're going to have to bring guys in from outside because there's not a whole, whole lot of it uh, in the system right now. So um, th- that's kind of my last piece on Kirby Doc there. Guys, spin looking zone up, Nani. Yeah. Spin zone Nani right there. I yeah, let's. Look a little bit elsewhere through the forward group. We got our first look at Lucas Reichel. Obviously, nothing impressive. Just one assist in 11 games for him. Um, But I think adding some weight will do him well. And you saw him, A, lead the Rockford Ice Hogs in scoring, and B, look extremely nasty doing some of it. Ron, thoughts on Reichel? Yeah, I mean, Reichel was very impressive at the AHL level. He played, you know, against a lot of really good teams. The, The Central Division in the AHL where the Ice Hogs sit, um, it's a very talented division. The Chicago Wolves just finished the season, regular season champions. Uh, and they just rolled over the Ice Hogs in the playoffs. Um, you know, and, and the Milwaukee Admirals are always a tough team as well. But he matched up very well against all those teams. Pretty much a point per game player um, for most, if not all of the season was Reichel at the AHL level. And he's still young. Like, I think a lot of people don't realize he's like, he just turned 20. I mean, he is still super young. So the fact that he had that much success at the AHL level, I think bodes well. I agree with you, Nani. I think adding weight and good weight is going to do him a lot of good. And I think we we saw it. How many times have we seen it with other guys? We've we've seen it with the Brinkett. We've seen it with Kane. Like once these guys bulk up and can take the physicality of the NHL, they take their game to another level. I, I, I have to interject just really quick when you're talking about adding weight. I, there's a hilarious comment. I believe it had to have been in like late January or like early February when he had like, I think it was his second call up or maybe, but no, it was during his first call up one. It might've been just like the second or third game of that. But Derek King said something because he got like ridden into the bench. And Derek King said, oh, what's that guy? 140 pounds soaking wet. The fucking disrespect for your own player <laughs> underselling him that much. Cause I know he's still, he's only like 170 or something, but still 140. Jesus. <laughs> hey, once 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 he turns 21 and starts, you know, having a couple few cold ones, you know, maybe we'll we'll start yeah. to add some weight there. An effective way I know myself. Uh I'm gonna try and put him on the Budweiser plan. Yeah. Body by Budweiser. Get yeah. Him, the, get him going. You need some diesel fuel. Yeah, I I like that, Tony. But yeah, the, the, I think that's the bottom line with him. Uh bulk up a little bit, get more NHL size, and then also I could see some split time too as well. Just let him go and dominate. And at least that was the benefit of watching him at Rockford, A, with, like I said, the scoring prowess there, but then playing in all situations and playing meaningful <clears throat> minutes because sometimes there were games where, well, you know, the Blackhawks want to win it, and Lucas Reichel wasn't the guy to be out there. So his minutes would get trimmed, and he's sitting in that like kind of like 12 to like 13 and a half minute range, whereas ideally you can get him down at the AHL level skating in that closer to 20 minutes almost. Um, so, all right, let's move on further uh, throughout forwards. One piece that was added because Kyle Davidson obviously was intern GM eventually named uh, um, you know, permanent GM was Sam Lafferty, his first true NHL level acquisition. Hey, one, we got rid of Alex Nylander. Glad to be done with that. I think all Blackhawks fans are, but you guys know I am huge on Sam Lafferty. I absolutely love him. This guy has hashtag TW, TW, hashtag grit, um, heart, skill, speed. I love it. Uh, he's a great bottom six forward. He's not going to be a world beater, but man, that is the type of guy you want to build team culture around. Yeah, absolutely, Johnny. And he's he's kind of taking uh, the Ryan Carpenter role now in your heart. Uh, and we certainly love to see Johnny Nani's love for bottom six forwards. But agreed, he's he brings everything that you need in today's game in your bottom six. He brings flexibility. He can play both the center and the wing spots. He can kill penalties. He has great speed. And he just he goes balls to the walls on every shift. And I think that's so important for guys in the bottom six because, sure, maybe you're not the most skilled player on the ice. But just that attitude and that energy alone can make differences in games. And we saw it time and time again with him when he was put on lines with various players. Sometimes his energy would pick up the rest of the line just because he's going hard into the corners. He's going hard to the net. And, you know, sometimes you just need to find that guy that Lafferty kind of was a similar situation to guys that needed a change of scenery. He was kind of buried in Pittsburgh, didn't get a lot of opportunity to show off what he had, bounced a lot between Wilkes-Barre and and, and Pittsburgh, comes to Chicago, finds an everyday home in the bottom six, and now – Earns himself a nice little two-year extension at the end of it as well. So uh, Kyle Davidson, you know, first first real move. Uh, I, w- I would say that was a win. A, you get rid of Nylander. B, you bring in a guy that is probably going to bring value for this team for you know years to come. Maybe he has to sign three contracts, but he he could be a very big staple in this bottom six for the next four or five years, well beyond this current contract extension that he just signed. 
I mean, you would love to see that, Ron, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, just for the sake of, you know, Johnny's jersey spending habits, he's here for a long time. I mean, that, that's, yeah, I'm just trying to look out for, for Johnny's jersey spending habits because, you know, the Ryan Carpenter, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're still going to keep that one in the rotation, Johnny, oh, yeah. but I, I would assume there's the Sam Lafferty uh, Hawk sweater on your back at the UC a couple, two, three times next year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely coming. But yeah, just wrapping up Sam Lafferty, he is fast as all hell. And you can't teach speed. You, you might be able to teach a little bit of acceleration. You can't teach straight line speed. He has it. So I love seeing that. And then just the, like you'd said, the versatility run in the positional uh, wing center and then also penalty killers because penalty killers don't get enough love. So that's part of uh, my affection for the bottom six forwards uh, because they're usually the ones doing the heavy lifting. So um, in the same breath, now we're transitioning up to the top in the superstar. Alex Dabrinkit solidified himself as an absolute superstar in this league, guys. Uh, another 41 goal matching his career high that he had a couple of seasons ago. Uh, Blackhawks lone all-star representative. Man, if you guys got any, let's go and share some uh, cat moments, what you liked about him this year. Um, obviously, the chemistry with Kaner, but uh, let's talk the cat. New father, the cat. Yes, and, and congratulations to, to him as well as and becoming a dad. But uh, I think one that sticks out to me because I was in attendance for it with Cat was uh, the OT winner against the St. Louis Blues on Black Friday. Uh, that was a cool and tough moment this season to be in attendance for. Uh, really good back and forth game. Hawks battled back. I think St. Louis had a two to one lead, if I remember it correctly. Um, you know, they battled back, send the thing to OT, and it's just the trademark. Kane on the right wing side, throwing it over to the left wing side and to it, just fucking cranking it to the back of the net. Um, that was a cool moment for me. Certainly one that sticks out in my memory from this past season. You know, just something with Alex to that I want to go and take a step back and, and look, you're talking about a guy that the, you know, coming up in the Hawks organization had some question marks around him. Is this kid going to be able to score? Is this the size, the, the ability to find the back of the net. We were just talking about this with Kirby Doc. If there's somebody that I'm not worried about finding the back of the net, it's Alex Debrinkit. And, you know, I don't think he's as appreciated as much on this roster because you have Patrick Kane here. If you don't have Patrick Kane in this Hawks forward group, he is far and above everybody else talent-wise. Far above everybody else. It's it's Patrick Kane, it's Alex Debrinkit, and then like somewhere down here is everybody else in terms of find the back of the net, ability to handle the puck, ability to do things. He has really far and above exceeded my initial expectations of what you were going to see from him. I thought he was going to have some goal-scoring ability, but I didn't really think at the beginning of Alex Debrinkit's tenure with the Blackhawks, he was going to be arguably or at any point while Patrick Kane was still on this roster, an all-star over Patrick Kane, unless there was some major injuries or other things going on. So major kudos to this guy for working his fucking ass off and, and just turning himself into a top talent within the league. Size didn't matter for him. He's overcome a lot of adversity in, in some of those areas. Um, you know, his, one of his best friends, Strom, in and out of the lineup with certain things. So his ability to go find chemistry and do stuff, he's just – absolutely exemplified what you want within this organization. He's a player that you can build around. I assume he's going to be here for a long time. And, you know, it, it's, I hate to say this because I hate losing our Tommy Panarin, but if there was somebody to step in and kind of fill that role with Patrick Kane, Alex Debrinkit has done a phenomenal job doing that uh, over the course of the last few seasons. And I love what I see from him. He's a fun player to watch play hockey and that's what you want. Yeah. Also, he, just really quick, Johnny. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off. I'll make it super quick. Also turned himself into a very effective two-way forward. I think that's something yes. that really needs to be noted. We started to see a little bit of it in the COVID-shortened season. He really put it to the pedal this season and became a, a very responsible player on both ends of the ice. Yeah, you saw him going out there at the end of penalty kill shifts, Ron, just building on that point. But I think overall, from from an overarching theme standpoint with Alex Debris, he has emerged as a leader, Tony. This is picking back off of your point now here. Um, he wears an A. There was a long read at the beginning of the season by Bob Verdi, the Hawks team historian, about, you know, uh, the A's. And that was a story about Connor Murphy and Alex Dubrinkit. And unfortunately, Connor Murphy, we'll get to him in the defense in a little bit. Um, but 
you know, Connor Murphy is injured. So you need someone else to step up and be a leader in that room, especially when you're, you know, tail spinning early, early in the season. And uh, I, I think he did that very effectively, did it on the ice. And I think he was a leader in that locker room. I would love to be a fly on the wall, but I would imagine he is one of the guys uh, juicing the boys up. Um, both, like I said, with his on ice play and, and then in that locker room. So, uh, Cat will be wearing the A and uh, bold prediction time. Um, Alex Brickett will be your next captain of the Chicago Blackhawks down the road. Agreed. That is just a prediction there. So, um, guys, as we're wrapping up forwards here, if you guys got any, you can go and uh, interject, but obviously, Patrick Kane, showtime getting it done, even through yeah, nobody knows exactly what the injury is, but he. Apparently claims he wasn't completely right. Uh, part of the reason why he's not playing at Worlds, but hey, still, uh, this guy voted the best uh, stick handler and second best pastor in the league. Uh, 92 points led the team uh, and 66 apples. And I think that connection with Cat, he needs a buddy. He's got his buddy now. And I think that, um, you know, it's really solidified. And uh, those two, they're going to be here for a bit because we'll get to the future of the team. But basically, Patrick Kane, if you didn't have him, you wouldn't want to stick around. Well, guess what? Patrick Kane wants to finish his uh, uh, career in a Blackhawks uniform. And a big reason for that is having his buddy Alex to bring it. So kind of looping those in there. Uh, let's 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 talk about Dylan Strom and Jonathan Taves here for a quick moment. Johnny, yeah. I'm curious for your guys thoughts. Stromer was a guy who was in and out of this lineup. Um, for a while and just now all of a sudden uh, towards the tail end of the season kind of catches fire a little bit curious for both of your thoughts on, on what you saw out of Dylan Strom and then also curious on the other side evaluate Jonathan Tave's season because I can't make up from down from it now let's, let's start with Dylan Strom because he ascended he ascended he had to get out of the doghouse by no fault of his own because he's just never been that type of player that's going to be a defensive player but guess what he accepted and executed as as Eddie always likes to say when he got put down even granted it was Colleton's doghouse at first but that carried over when King was there because if you remember he was still healthy scratch a few times uh, at the beginning of the King era but he worked through that accepted that fourth line role and said okay I will do what I need to do to try and, you know, prove my worth here. And then when he got opportunities, uh, he obviously made the most of them finishes as the fourth leading scorer on the team, 22 goals, 26 assists. Um, and I think that bodes really well for him as an RFA. And I think the Blackhawks, after seeing that ascension, uh, will honor that with, with an appropriate contract. I don't know what the exact dollar amount will be, uh, but I could imagine him staying around, obviously, to bring gets around here. Um, and you're talking about a core uh, it's not the same old core that we had anymore. Guess what? I think Dylan Strom could be part of this core group. So that's my hashtag analysis on him. Yeah, and just quickly to add to, to Johnny's analysis here is he set a career high in goals this year. 22 was a new NHL career high for him. Uh, looked really good. Only got to play in 69 games this year, but still was above 45 points. Really took that role that I think a lot of us in terms of scoring thought a Kirby Doc or a Dominic Kubalik would take. Uh, and again, in, in minimal games, if you spread that across 82 games, there's a very good chance he's a 55 to yeah. 60 point player. Yeah, he only in played in 69 season. games this year. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that he put up the numbers that he did played a lot as the quote unquote top center with uh, Taves or uh, pardon me, Kane and, and to bring it down the stretch as well. So I agree with Nani. You know, he's an RFA as well this year. One of the many that the Hawks have to deal with um, made three million dollars the last two seasons. Uh, I think he's probably going to get something along the the four million dollar, maybe four and a half million dollar range. Um, if the Hawks plan on keeping him in the wings, I think that's a big decision that Kyle Davidson faces this offseason. Uh, but just going off what he did on the ice, uh, the guy produced when you needed him to produce. He played a bunch of different roles for this team throughout the year uh, and put together some really nice stretches at times offensively. So. He's certainly a guy that you can make an argument for for keeping around and, and being, like Johnny said, kind of part of that next core, at least as you continue to evolve this roster. Yeah, and I think one thing that he has going for him, too, is entering this rebuild. Obviously, players want to compete. They, they want to win. But uh, you do have the ability to possibly give him more money there because, guess what, if you're having a more competitive roster with other guys, the money's going to be spread out a little more. So he has the opportunity, I think, to make what he desires and then what the Blackhawks think he's worth uh, moving forward. Uh, let's move on to Jonathan Taves, the other name that you mentioned in that breath, Tony. Man, uh, tough season for him, and I think it was both on and off the ice, obviously, coming back from the off uh, hole completely year imagine doing that. imagine stopping what you do for a living and not doing it for a whole year and then having to come back and be expected to perform and be the leader of your group at the highest level so um obviously the numbers weren't there for him this year uh he ranked six on 
captain of the team and scoring 12 goals, 25 assists, 37 points. Uh, took a while for him to score that first goal. Uh, I think he did uh, settle in a little bit uh, better after that once he finally got off the schneid, got the monkey off his back, so to say. Um, but overall, obviously underwhelming in terms of output production-wise. Uh, but I think the off the ice is where the concern is more at because you hear some of his comments, especially down the home stretch of the season. And guys, I think the writing's on the wall. Uh, this guy's gone either at the trade deadline uh, next year. I would imagine that that think that seems pretty reasonable. I don't know if the Winnipeg Jets will be in it or not, but obviously that seems like a sexy destination with the go home uh, sort of strategy that uh, a lot of players do employ. You know, people are talking about Patrick Kane eventually going home possibly to Buffalo at some point. So who knows uh, where Jonathan Taves will land, but uh, I, you know, this upcoming first part of this next season, 2022, 23, I do think this is the last time we'll see Jonathan Taves in a Blackhawks uniform. Yeah. And I, I will, uh, you know, ironically, whatever you want to call it, not doing it on purpose, but I agree with Johnny about Jonathan Taves. I think, I think he's, he's just having a hard time accepting a rebuild and, you know, and that's just the competitor in him. I think he, he, that kind of player. And, you know, maybe he just doesn't see eye to eye with the vision of where this team is going. And, and maybe a lot of it, it was a lot of the off the ice stuff. You heard about, you know, everybody kind of criticizing him after his comments about Stan Bowman, after they asked him about it, after everything that happened and, you know, and, and just kind of everything, you know, I think it was a very mentally exhausting last two years for Jonathan Taves. And I think you really saw it affect his on ice play this year. I mean, this was the first season in his career that wasn't a shortened season because of a, a of a labor issue that he had under 52 points in his career. Like that includes his rookie year, that everything. I mean, 37 points for him. I mean, hell, he had more points in the shortened 48 game season than he had this year. Like that just really shows how much his offensive output suffered this year. So I agree. I think for him, it probably is good for his career. You know, in the last couple of years, this is a guy that plays a little bit of a harder game than Patrick Kane. If we're just talking physical, the physical wear on his body. And I think it's going to benefit him maybe to get a change of scenery and being competitive in a competitive environment. If you put an, an Uber competitor like Jonathan Taves on a competitive roster, even if he is a third, second line center, I think that you see some of that flash come out again. I don't know if he'll ever be the Jonathan Taves that we knew him to be in a Blackhawk sweater, but he can certainly still be a very effective player uh, at 34 years old for somebody. And I think it is going to come around next year's trade deadline that he says, I, I give you the blessing. I'm moving my NMC. I want to go somewhere competitive. Yeah, the the fan in me that I mean, both of what you're saying here is like I I can completely agree with it. But I just want you to know at the same time, like I felt like I was just laying there while you guys stabbed me repeatedly with a with a dagger in the back because this is a guy as a fan. If I'm sitting here as a fan right now, this is the guy that was lifting cups like you said earlier, uh, you know, for this team rather consistently, a guy that uh, the the focal point of Chicago sports with Patrick Kane for a while during this, you know, the Stanley Cup years and everything. And, you know, the, the, the Stan Bowman comments and how the fans treated him and how the media treated him and all of this stuff just starts to, to ramp up and you can, can see the writing on the wall. It's sad. It, it is a really sad situation. I can't, there's no other word to say it. It's sad. Yeah. Uh, Tony, my advice would be enjoy the, the beginning part of next season and hopefully an off season of training will at least give us some last uh, good memories, but the visions just don't align. The timelines don't align uh, to quote Silvio Dante timeline got fucked up. That's yep. what happened when it comes to Jonathan Taves and being here long-term. So timeline got fucked up in terms of the Blackhawks uh, next time to compete. And when he wants to compete, which is obviously every year, year yep. in, year out. And guess what? He's not going to be able to do that here for a few years, probably three, I would imagine. Um, so he ain't waiting around that long. who knows if he's playing hockey in three years. Exactly. That's... So he, he wants to go chase another one. And obviously he's had issues uh, health-wise in the past. So, uh, but like but I said, would, it, hope... would it pain you guys to see him lift a cup with another team or would you be happy for him? That's I'd be a, happy a... for him. Absolutely. I would be happy for him as well. What, what I, more could you ask from him? What more yeah. could you ask from him? Oh, you, you have to sit here and take it. You have to sit here and take this no, direction that was totally out even, of your control. Even no. if you even if you mentally just put away his career on the, on the stat sheet after that 1920 run before he took the year off, and you look at the numbers and the accolades, 
you just want what's best for that guy. And he, he's 19 is going to be in the rafters. 88 is yeah, going to be in the rafters. There'll be statues like, of both of those. Yes, there will be a statue. Jonathan Taves will forever be beloved in the Blackhawks room. And I, I really think for a guy that is just an uber competitor, every every in my opinion every true hawks fan sure you might be like damn it i wish it was him it'll hurt lifting another cup with the hawks but for him it you'd, your, you'd absolutely be happy for him your heart will hurt but you know in your soul you have to be happy for him that that would be my you know if you see him go and hopefully find success elsewhere i'm just done with the, i'm done with the hurt there was so much hurt we're going to talk about a few other things that hurt yeah you're going to talk about shit thing. that hurts let's move on to the defenseman and talk seth jones contracts that thing's kicking in Jeez. guys seth jones first year with the blackhawks mm-hmm. here obviously the uh big acquisition uh on draft day giving up a couple picks uh giving up adam boquist for him he comes in and i won't say well terrible yeah he did he led you in minutes he led uh you know he was your number one defenseman he is a number one defenseman in the nhl but guys when you're getting paid that much i fucking need more he had what would he have five goal five goals 46 assists so that number is nice uh but 51 points total on the year i need double digit goals from this guy if you're if he's going to be paid that much i know that's out of his control he just signed the contract stan just handed him the brinks truck and he just signed for the delivery right but in, in turn, he's still in the prime of his career. I need more than that from him. That's my take on Seth Jones. Absolutely, especially when it looks like, you know, that th- Jonathan Saves probably won't be with this team long term. Um, you know, just naturally, I mean, Patrick Kane is still an elite player in the NHL. I think he still will be for a few more years. But eventually, Patrick Kane's not going to be here. Right now, the longest, the longest signed Hawk is Seth Jones. So, like, if he's going to be kind of a He's here for another this- century, people. Yeah, so like if he's gonna be here, I agree with Johnny. You need to get something out of him, especially right now while he's in the prime of his career, because later in that later in his career, that contract probably is gonna look ugly. Right now, though, you need to maximize his output with that contract. I agree. I think double digit goals is completely doable. He's done it twice in his career. Uh, if he can get back, but to I'm gonna that I'm, gonna, I'm gonna spin this round. Do you need production from him? We're in the middle of a rebuild, right? So, yeah. Do you need the do, what? What it's produ- bad expenses. It, I know it's yeah, it is Roman's bad expenses, spending, but, but you want you want 10, 15 goals from him and a couple extra wins and set the and tone. This, set the tone for it, the future. Say I can still do this. I can still be that guy that was early in Nashville that was in the that's why Columbus fucking wanted him so badly. Be that guy. But I mean, it, you if can be. Re, but there's no tank here. This is what bothers me. There's no tank here, right? Because you still have Alex to break it, Patrick Kane. You're gonna play. So you just want to watch Seth Jones fuck around on the ice and not you know just Olay. <laughs> Is that what no, you, but like, I want, want the end, I want the end result to be good, and I'm, I'm finding myself in a very hard position right now, where it's like, okay, you do have ten million dollar guys that are on this roster who should be able to compete, who should be able to do shit, and then the rest of it's crap. So you've got to figure out a way to get yourself out of that. You're Kyle Davidson, say, you know, I want to go out and I want to get restock some draft yeah. capital. I want to make this team what? better. I want to see this team in the playoffs in the next three years, honestly. Yes. So if the, if the if if one so year you need next production year, if look, you want to get there. You do, you do need some. And you also, but you, you also can, you can't be mired in Miriocity. What would Rick Hans say? Oh, they were, mired they in, won't be mired in Miriocity. Don't you worry. They would have yeah. been the sixth overall pick this year, Tony, and they were trying. So I don't think they're going to need to tank. They're going to be bad enough to tank yeah. on their own. And, and, I, and Tony, I, I think one point that uh, may get lost in the shuffle is that every night you're you're technically you're showing off, you're auditioning, you're giving recruiting pitches. Do free agents want to come and play with Seth Jones or no? Do they want to go elsewhere and play? Obviously, the Avalanche can't sign up, but say a Kale McCarr type. You know what I'm saying? They, they want to go play with Victor Hedman instead. They don't want to come and play with Seth Jones because oh, fair point. I love not, you brought. I yeah, love that you brought this up. So that's what every I want every night, whether you, whether you realize or not, those guys know what goes on around the league. And sure, they're not watching every game because they got to play their own games, but they're in tune with it. They watch NHL Network just like we do. They they see they, they see what's going on. So it's Seth Jones has to make this a destination. More hits. More hits too. Yeah. And, the thing is, the, the thing is, you look at in the forward group and you're like, Patrick Kane and uh, Alex it. that's why at least I have some hope that they could bring in some forward talent. It's cool. Like, didn't want to play with those guys. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, shit, I can be on that. I can be that third uh, or that other missing piece or whatever that can plug in there. Like Tyler Johnson, he probably didn't want to leave the Lightning, a team that I just won two cups with. But at the same time, if he's healthy, you know, uh, sucks that he had a bad injury this year. But if he can get back to you know uh, he was playing a uh, you know lower role there if he can jump up and play uh with Debrinket with a cane he can a up his totals and b have fun doing it so that that's just kind of my take that why it matters why you need production uh out of these guys even when they are 
rebuilding here. Um, we started this off with Seth Jones talk. Another thing too, I want to see more physicality out of him. He's got a big body. He's a massive dude. Um, we saw him lay a couple of hits, especially trying to beat guys to pucks, especially early in the season. I remember a game might've been like the third game of the year at New Jersey, something like that. Um, laid a big one. I just want to see more of that too. Cause I know he can do it. Um, uh, elsewhere throughout the defensive core, obviously mainstay here is Connor Murphy guys, uh, suffered a couple of concussions. So I think that is of note. Um, my, my biggest takeaway from his season. And I really hope that I know it's what now three years left on this deal, but man, if those things don't clear four left on it. Okay. Yeah. So the contract kicks in after this yeah, year. It's got an it. extension. So it'll kick in with so that. Jones that makes it even more. Is he even going to be playing hockey by year four? That's where I'm concerned about because when he's on the ice, I love him. He's one of my favorite leaders on the team. I think he's a great stand-up guy. He's the King Clancy nominee for the Blackhawks. So he does great work off the ice too. He's just a model guy, but like I said, both on and off the ice, but the body's got to be able to hold up. The brain's got to be able to hold up. I'm sorry, Connor Murphy's taking a shit ton of big hits in his career. Yeah, and just for his own well-being, right? Like, you care about these guys as people. Like you said, the amount of impact that Connor Murphy has made off the ice in the city of Chicago since he's been here. That's just a guy that you want just the best for him, right? Like, you, we saw it with Andrew Shaw. Like, he, he had to step away from the game because of concussion issues. And he, he chose his well-being as a father and as a husband over playing hockey and it's it's commendable but at the same time you you have to sit here and you you have the exact same thoughts with a guy like Connor Murphy you want nothing but the best for him when he's in the lineup he makes a difference he was your NHL shot blocks leader for most of the year or he at least it was in the top three for a good portion of the season and you know he is a meaningful player on this team he was a meaningful piece that came back in the Jalmers to trade and has probably out exceeded everybody's expectations when that trade occurred and you just, like you said, Johnny, you just hope and pray that he can play those four years and that, that, that those concussion issues don't come back and, and just put his own well-being in jeopardy, let alone his playing career. You hit the nail on the head, Ron, uh, on Connor Murphy, and I, that's exactly where I was going to go in, in my little thought process here on Connor Murphy is I was I was mad at the time of the trade. I didn't want to lose John Emerson. I'm like, who's this Connor Murphy guy? You Google Connor Murphy, you get some Canadian bodybuilder, and it's that's that's not the Connor Murphy that you. you I'm like, this guy is not even the first search result for his own name, and he plays in the NHL. That's kind of <laughs> fucking weird, but you know. So that that was my first initial like, who's Connor Murphy? It, that, this is Connor Murphy, and he's really outperformed. You know, just even the Google search results for himself at this point because he's made impacts on the ice. Shot block leader, like that's the. One of the things you come back there, it's like, okay, well, is he going to block shots the same way uh, John Emerson did? And yeah, he's he's doing that. He uses the body. He plays a physical game. He's out there in the community. I remember um, just a few years ago, Connor Murphy being who the Hawks sent to the Sox game for Blackhawks. Like, he's a guy that's out there. He's active on it. I think outside of, you know, Jonathan Taves, Alex DeBrinket, Patrick Kane, some of the common names that you see the Blackhawks market, Connor Murphy has really stepped into that role. And I feel like he's probably a little undermarketed just because he's more of a soft-spoken guy uh, compared to some of the other players that have been on this roster for a couple of years now. But he's really been like just the the symbol of of like the, the stable part of the Blackhawks defense for a couple of years now. A guy that when he's on the ice, you're not exactly worried that, you know, shit's going to go completely haywire. He's not – uh, Gustafson or some of the other names that have rolled through here that Ross has already shaken his head because you know Jan Ruda like you just start saying triggers for Ron at this point but you know I hope the body holds up but again everything that you said Ron that's you, you hit the nail on the head yeah I was just going to say the, the leadership uh, is one thing too. And then he is one that is not afraid to defend his teammates. If someone's it gets in a scrap, someone's, uh, you know, taking exceptions, uh, hitting Patrick Kane, uh, Alex to bring it, he'll step in there and he doesn't care. He'll rough him up. So that's another reason why we love Connor Murphy here. Uh, let's go to his partner in crime, Ron. This guy got a lot of flack this year, but you and me love him. I still love him. Jake McCabe. And I will say at the beginning of the year, I think it was a part of the system trying to fit into JC's system that uh, caused him some issues that, that resulted in some of the bad uh, totals, at least when you're looking, uh, you know, uh, lowest plus minus, excuse me, second lowest uh, plus minus uh, on the team. Um, but Jake McCabe, 
man, I think he found a little bit of an offensive rhythm too. I know he's more of a stay at home defenseman, but man, uh, he, he found a little bit of being able to flick the puck on that a little bit of, uh, assists really stretching, stretching some ice out for guys, uh, to give them space in his breakout passes and stuff. So, uh, I think Jake McCabe's end of the season gives me hope that they were right to sign him to a four-year deal, Ron. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. He looked really strong down the stretch later in the year too. And I think a lot of that helped was, you know, they really were sold on the idea of him and Murphy were buddies and best friends and they wanted to play them together. And I almost think they played better apart. And it's not to say that they can't play well together. I think those two as a penalty killing group are absolutely fantastic, but it allowed you to spread some of that talent across multiple defensive pairings. And I think that was really key for this team because in an event, you know, that, they, they started playing Dahan a lot with Jones at times we saw, and those two actually played very well together. And then it allowed Murphy and McCabe to really keep those last two defensive pairings stable, no matter who they were playing with. We saw the rotation of young guys, you know, Vlasic at one point, the Gus bus was still there and, and, and taking shifts, you know, it was refreshing to see McCabe come on at the end of the year. And just like you said, Johnny, his stretch passes that, that first pass out of the zone, you know, he got a lot of those second assists, but a point to point to point on the score sheet. And it was really nice seeing him down the stretch, have a really nice offensive output. 18 apples this year. Yep. I, it, that absolutely gives me hope for these, the last three years of this contract that he's on, that he is going to be worth the $4 million a year that he's going to get paid. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, he could be a piece that's flipped if you're not totally there. And if someone really needs a stable defenseman down the road. So um, obviously I would like to see him, but it just, like I said, timeline got fucked up. We're not really aligning uh, with that competitive uh, sort of, you know, timeline uh, where he would be here in under contract for competitive hockey playoff years. So um, guys, rest of the defense, obviously there, there's a whole kind of mess of it, but I think we would be remiss if we didn't give a send off to friend of the show, Calvin Nahan. Man, this is we probably saw him last last time in a Blackhawks uniform. Uh, he is an unrestricted free agent. There's no reason to no reason to bring him back. Let's just be realistic here. No reason to bring him back uh, because there are plenty of young guys. Uh, I want to touch on a few of them in a second here um, that will be taking spots next year. But uh, man, what a run! He was always friendly with us. Message us back uh, on Twitter. I got to meet him. Uh, do his uh, you know when he had the collab beer with Goose Island back a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic. And just what a, what a great guy um he was a great representative for the chicago blackhawks and uh, just a fun guy i love kind of the uh you know snarky or uh sarcastic answers he'd give to media um and just uh you know a shot block king as well uh on the ice so um the lost calvin nahan we love to have you here absolutely i'll miss him but johnny just like your ryan carpenter jersey will live in your rotation to go to the united center my my calvin nahan jersey will live in the rotation as well yeah, any parting words for uh, CDH there, Tony? No, just I, I love a guy that uh, brews beer and plays hockey. I think that's pretty cool and tough. And there's going to be one less cool and tough member of this Blackhawks organization. Appreciate everything he did for it during his tenure here. Wish it worked out better. I thought he would be a name uh, that uh, had the Blackhawks been competitive and, and go to the playoffs and make a deep run. He's probably one of the guys that becomes a, a real fan favorite, do, and you'd see a lot do more. You type. Yeah, he, he would be. He would have been an Oduya type, uh, almost. Yeah, almost a hundred percent right there, Johnny. That's a great comp. Um, you know, I hate seeing that, and it's probably not the only player that I'm going to say that for um, during the course of this because you know it, you just start to compare to your great teams, and I think he's a really good piece uh, to somebody's puzzle at some point. I just wish it was for us. So. Cheers to Calvin DeHaan. I'm going to try and figure out a way to get some of his beer into my body at some point. So, well, I was I was going to say, Tony, I think a really easy way that we can resolve that is when Calvin DeHaan's all said and done, he can just become a part of ONTAP Sportsnet. And it's all about sports and beer then at that point. And it's just, it feels like a, a match made in heaven, if you ask me. Yeah, maybe we'll open a Canada branch, boys. We'll, we'll yeah. figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds good. I like that. All right, let's wrap up defenseman really quick and just talk about young guys. I want you to just pick out maybe one or two or whatever. Any observations you've had from the young guys because it was a bit surprising. Uh, very little. Ian Mitchell, no Nick Bodine, I don't think at all uh, this year, maybe once earlier in the season, but that was it. So we had a plethora of other guys here. Uh, go ahead, pick and choose. Just give me a little takeaway uh, on any of those young guys that saw ice time throughout, especially towards the end of the year. 
I think he's a guy that I've probably enjoyed and, and I like the most and I bring up the most, but I think Riley Stillman had a very nice year for the Chicago Blackhawks. I think he took a big step forward. I think he started to kind of come into his role. Another with fearless team. guy. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. Teammates. Exactly. I think one of the biggest takeaways I had, I think if I remember correctly, um, it was the game that uh, Jujar Kyra got absolutely annihilated. And the first guy to step up and challenge was Riley Stillman. And again, just character guy. He knows his role in the team. He's a big body. He's physical. He's still super young. I mean, he's only, what, 23 years old? I mean, this guy's going to continue to develop and get better, and I think they have him on a great contract as well. Showed some of that offensive prowess when uh, COVID kind of struck the team in December, and he was thrust into a bigger role in terms of minutes. He's showing that he can play up and down the lineup, and as long as he can stay healthy, I think he's a guy that can develop into a really nice role with the Blackhawks for years to come. You know, Stillman was the guy that I was going to go to there. Uh, I Again, echo what Ron says. Um, and I don't want to make this a boring show, so I'm going to go and, and talk a little bit about Ian Mitchell for a second here, Johnny, if I may. Uh, I just want more. I want more from Ian Mitchell. I, 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 there's been a lot of talk, a lot of hype in Hawks communities about the kid. I think that, uh, you know, it, it takes a long time for defenders to develop. I, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to try, try my best to be patient with this. But I don't want to see, like, I, I think we were on a podcast a couple of years ago talking about, like, who that next wave is going to be to replace Duncan Keith, um, Brent Seabrook, some of these other guys. And I just feel at this point in time, we've had enough names in this defensive system. There's been so many first-round, second-round draft picks where guys will, you know, get these comps and come up, get their little cup of coffee. Stan would trade them. I know we're under different uh, leadership now, but none of these defensive prospects that have been in this system have really come in and, and taken hold uh, within it. You chipped off Boquist, um, you know, Yoki Haru, uh, some of these other just names of, of guys who were part of this thing. Ian Mitchell is kind of that to me. So I want somebody to stick, and I want it to be Ian Mitchell because it feels like it's time for one of these fucking players to stick. At least he did uh, get a really, really heavy workload in Rockford. So, uh, And I saw there was an article from Scott Powers over at The Athletic that uh, Mitchell basically accepted. He said he looked himself in the mirror and said, am I going to pout and say that, oh, I deserve to be up at that level or I wish I was up at that level, or am I going to use this time here to make myself better? So um, obviously we we were you know checked in on the Rockford Ice Hogs every once in a while here at four feathers but our focus is blackhawks so it'll be interesting to see uh, how that can carry over from that like i said the increased workload um all, all of that uh, down at rockford and see if that makes him uh you know more of a mainstay tony and he'll absolutely have the opportunity with guys leaving and gustus and dahan we know for sure um he can carve himself out a role but my guy uh, i'll just speak quickly on him is alec regula and i really 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 like the improvement in his positioning we know he has a little bit of offensive flair he's a little bit of a bigger body he's got a nice vision to be able to you know dangle around defender and then fire a shot on net. But when I was watching from 300 level, I got a great view of him uh, bird's eye in his positioning improved from when he was first called up through the last few games that I saw of him, man, he was making the small plays that don't ever show up on a stat sheet, but it was taking away lanes. It was protecting the house. It, it was doing his goalie a favor. Uh, just something as simple as I'm a box this guy out and tap the puck right into you so he can freeze it and, uh, you know, get a face off here, stuff like that. He really improved on. And I think uh, his time at, the NHL, he obviously spent some time at the beginning of the year in Rockford, and you could see that progression, and it went straight up, whereas Ian Mitchell's kind of been up, down, up. Alec Regula went straight up this year, so big props to him, and I also think it'll be interesting to see, since they were so favorable toward him, Alex Flasic. That's another dude that needs to add some weight, get on your Budweiser diet, Tony, um, but he can be a heavy hitter, because that guy's like 6'6 six, six, uh, without skates, so make him like 6'8 on ice, so yeah. Uh, that's that'll wrap up our defenseman here. Um, obviously, goalies not a whole lot to talk about because Mark Andre Fleury went. So I guess nice we recouped some uh, draft uh, capital from that. Other than that, tough year for Kevin Lankinen. Arvid Soderblom looked rough when he came up, but guys, I think Soderblom, uh, you know, Lankinen's now an RFA or excuse me, UFA. So they'd have to resign him if they want to continue with him. I think Soderblom's uh, at least looking like you're penciling in at least one of the two spots next year. Yeah, I would say that's pretty confident, and I'll, I'll be completely honest. I, I watched quite a bit of the the last playoff series with the Rockford Ice Hogs and the Chicago Wolves, and I, I, there was one game in particular where Arvid Soderblom literally kept the Ice Hogs even within striking distance, like twenty to one shots, at twenty one to one at the end of the first period, and it, well, they went into 
and the and the Wolves didn't score until the last like four minutes of the period. So he kept the Wolves off the board. It was two nothing going into intermission. Absolutely should have been six nothing. Uh, he really stood on his head and looked good. Again, he's young, a guy that's still going to develop more. I, I think they like what they see in him. There's a reason they brought him in to begin with. Um, but admittedly, when it comes to goaltending in the, in this Blackhawks team, I'm I'm looking to the way future. And a guy like Drew Camessa was on my radar as po- perhaps that name of the future that really he's, takes the position and runs with it. He's probably your takeover in Rockford next year guy, I would imagine. Yeah, at some point. I think he's going back to school for one more year, but yeah. as soon so as that wait, college season's over, yeah. you'll probably see him in Rockford. Goaltending thoughts, Tone? I don't have much. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see you know, how this all plays out long-term, guys, but uh, this team has really lacked somebody stable and not long-term since the departure of Corey Crawford. Um, you know, Seeing Marc-Andre Fleury in a, in a Blackhawks uniform was cool. I think it was an excellent just little treat as a Blackhawks fan to get to watch that. You've seen uh, uh, Kevin Lankinen just take some steps. I think it'd be a beneficial piece to an NHL roster, but obviously that's not where we're at right now. I think really looking forward for this Blackhawks team, like you have to figure out is, is this guy going to be somebody that you want as your number one goaltender, because they, they they lack that number one goaltender right now. It'll be interesting to see who takes over that next year. Do you assign somebody for a year to kind of just get by? Or do, do you bring really... Lincoln back on a cheap deal? Yes, and give him the opportunity to make something happen. I mean, goalies also can develop weird, too. I mean, Corey Crawford took a little bit of time himself. So try and give guys the benefit of the doubt. I'm still hung up on, I thought Auntie Ranta was going to be the goalie for this team for forever and be the guy that kind of takes over and, and just for, for Corey Crawford at some point. And I really think that they've, they've had a really good uh, knack for bringing in your second goalie to, to compliment goaltender. Number one, this is the worst I've seen the Hawks goaltending situation in a long time. I'm scared for it, honestly, because you need you need a good goalie in the NHL. Yeah. And if this team's going to compete again, they're going to have to figure out what their long term plan is for number one. How much? How much do they have to get rid of to get the guy they should have drafted in 2017 here in Chicago and Jake Ottinger? Because he looks absolutely incredible for Dallas right now. What did oh, he yeah. put up? Sixty like oh, four yeah. saves against Calgary in that game seven. But are you willing? So this is where it gets into the 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 strategy yeah, yeah. of the rebuild. Ron, couple years. You have a I couple agree. years until you really, really, really need I agree. to go I agree. out and do it. That's, I agree. I think. Crazy. I think by that point, it will be Camesso that you will see as the guy. If they're gonna, if it's gonna be from in house, I think it's Camesso is the best name that they have in the system right now. now. I know, Ron. I know we pooped on him a lot when we were at the uh, Columbus game when he gave up like seven goals. But I, I'll go and challenge you, and I think Arvid Soderbaum will earn it and win it. So. I like that's it. just that's just my take. We'll let's we'll see how that pans out down the road, guys. We're getting here close to the end, uh, approaching an hour. So to send us off, we'll have plenty of episodes uh, over the summer to talk draft, to talk free agency, to talk future of the team, uh, to talk how you construct this thing to getting back to being a contender. But this was obviously a big reflection, the eulogy to the loss of the Blackhawks. Let's end it with some good memories, like you would at the end of a you know a funeral reception. Best memories from the Chicago Blackhawks season for you personally. Uh, one, one of which that I will absolutely agree with. I know Tony's going to bring it up, so I will leave it for him to take. Um, but certainly one in terms of the current team, um, Taylor Radish. Uh, Taylor Radish is going to be a fun player. I think he's going to develop into an, a nice player here for the Chicago Blackhawks for a long time. Big bo- big body, power forward, uh, has a really nice shot. Showed that offensive prowess at the end of the season once given the opportunity and not playing eight minutes a night Ooh, like he was in yeah, we, Tampa. We have a Four Feathers announcement. Taylor Radish is now officially the new face of just fucking crank it, by the way. Sorry, Dominic yes. Kubelik, you've been replaced. Yes, it's it's exciting. It's exciting. Taylor Radish is going to be fun. That's certainly one um, a kind of a good memory for me this year. It was a good way to kind of end the year once they brought him into the fold. Um, you know, and it was it, it, congratulations to Pat Foley. Johnny and I were lucky enough to be served Bud, Bud Lights by him at, at a Blackhawks game. Um 
one of the best to ever do it. When I call games at St. Xavier, I use the tree turdy tree every opportunity I get. Uh, he's certainly going to be a guy that's going to be loved forever. I'm super happy for Chris Foster's. I think he, he's going to build himself into being well-liked. He's a Chicago guy who's born and raised here. I think that you'll start to see that come out now that he's been named the guy. But there is only and always and forever only one Pat Foley, and he'll be a legend that we can all appreciate until the day we die. Um, so that was, was certainly cool to see how he was sent off and, and properly. So, uh, to a guy that is one of the greatest to ever do it. I mean, I, I appreciate if you, if you were saving this one for me, Ron, but the, the best moment of my Blackhawk season has to be, uh, watching Marion Hosa sign the one day contract to retire as a Blackhawk and the announcements. I'm going to be forever grateful that I got to be in that atrium when that happened um, and be with Johnny for that Blackhawks game uh, when they made that announcement, just seeing him in the building. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd, that's hands down the best moment that happened this year. I know that has nothing to do with the current team. That has nothing to do with yeah. yeah it's, it's personal for me. Um, huge Marion Hosa guy, obviously uh, if yep. you've listened to this show, but uh, that's, I mean, I, nothing tops I, that for me right you, now. What, no, what gets nothing. me, yeah, Tony, it was great being there with you. What it gets me excited about that is imagine the party that Four Feathers is going to throw on the night of Marion Hosa's jersey can retirement. We, they can haven't announced 80, the date. Can we but... do 81 for 81 again? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because we've, we've I, think done you, a... I think you might hit it yourself that day. I might. <laughs> I might. Because, you know, like if, if there's one thing that I, I regret is just not appreciating Marion Hosa's career as a Blackhawk. Um, I, I still remember I still remember being on Twitter when I saw all this shit coming out that he you know, there's breaking news and all this other stuff. And I, I just felt like I never had closure. I got my closure uh, being there when he signed that contract. And that was a, a big moment for me as a, as a Hawks fan, as a hockey fan, as a, as a Marion Hosa fan. Um, so again, like just hands down, nothing, nothing topped it. Yeah. All right. Uh, my favorite moments, as I'd mentioned earlier, that win against Nashville overtime first win for King. Uh, that was a great memory. Great game to be at. Um, other than that, anytime Sam Lafferty did anything, love that guy. Uh, and also just the grin. I love that he just did not replace his teeth. I'm sure he's doing some dental work after the IHF Worlds, but I love the grin. We got some great pictures, screenshots out of him. Um, and then other than that, experience wise, Tony, when you and I went to that game against the Ducks in March, St. Patrick's Day night, we got the Peaky Bloinders looking hats. Um, we sat yes. at the 200 level right there, and we were right at that end, and the Blackhawks scored five goals. Their best period by far. This, it was their best game of the season by far, most dominating effort, and they scored five goals all at our end. Um, it was ridiculous. We would like just like had ordered a beer, and we're like getting up and like spilling half of it because we're celebrating the next goal coming in, and that was just such a – it was so good that they got a standing ovation. The whole arena. After yes. the first period, and it felt Can like confirm. it felt like 2013, just for a moment in time there. So that was my favorite memory of the season. Hey, Johnny, I loved being there for that game with you too. I forgot for a second when I was talking about Marion Hosa, so I'm glad I saved that one for you. That was probably yeah, like you said, it was the their best, best game, game by the far. By the far. best game of the season. I remember sitting there. Uh, it was I think my first Hawks game this year uh, that I had attended, and getting messages like, holy shit, you should go to more Hawks games because <laughs> they're actually doing should, some yeah. shit. You should and, just yeah. in general, but yeah. Should. yeah. yeah Maybe we'll get a ticket plan next year. They're yeah. lowering prices. They've done some good stuff yeah. with the ticket plan. So look out. Might be at the UC yeah. more. Yeah, absolutely, boys. So it was great uh, reminiscing here. Obviously, not a great season. Obviously, one of the worst off the ice, uh, off the ice, and then probably, um, you know, I'm sure there were some uh, in the uh, you know early 2000s that were rough as well. But in recent memory, definitely the worst on the ice as well. But hey, we stuck through it. We're here for you at Four Feathers Pod uh, from a fans' perspective. So we appreciate listeners tuning in, following along with us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at OnTap Sportsnet. Stay tuned. For off-season content, because as I said, we'll be looking at future outlook, NHL draft, and uh, you know how this team can actually build moving forward. And then, uh, boys, I can't wait. I'm already itching to be back at um, possibly prospect development camp in July at Fifth Third Arena, and then training camp. We'll be ready to roll for another season, even though it's going to be hard on the heart again. Fucking Blackhawks till we're dead, man. I love that Blackhawks till we're dead. We can make that a new little slogan for the show. I, I don't have much else, Johnny. Yeah, Ron, final thought. Close down. 
Uh, I will say just kind of the build off what you said with, with Tony. Uh, I didn't get to be in attendance with Tony at the UC at all this year, but Johnny, you and I got to go to quite a few games together and, and all of those were fun. It was always fun when four feathers was on site, especially in more capacity than just one of us. Uh, and I hope we can do that more next year. Even if it is a barn burner of a season on the ice, uh, the four feathers crew is always going to have a good time off the ice. And that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. But first we'll, we'll enjoy our summer. We'll enjoy our respective baseball teams. Yeah. And we'll talk about how this team is building toward that next season and, and hopefully building toward a prosperous future yes absolutely ron i think you close that down perfect on the blackhawk side uh, another thing you mentioned there though was uh it's summer no hockey obviously there'll be stanley cup playoffs and then some draft stuff that we will get to here at four feathers but you want to hear our beautiful voices throughout the summer uh you're a cubs fan go over to cubbies on tap uh you know you find that wherever you listen to podcasts they're at cubbies on tap on twitter um post-game shows uh analysis content coming all summer long from a cubs perspective Going on down to the south side, that's Socks on Tap, at Socks on Tap on Twitter. Um, and that's me and Tony are there uh, with a crew of other gnarly south siders uh, discussing white socks, pains, aches, and then hopefully some glory later on. Uh, but go and go and check those out, and you can hear us there. And we'll check back in here on Four Feathers uh, and maybe have some playful banter uh, over our teams, depending on how they fare uh, over the summer. So, boys, until next time. Here's to the 2021-22 Chicago Blackhawks. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks.